Dr. Slog, April 3rd. I thought I'd start by giving you an update about my friend who is in the hospital with COVID-19 and who I mentioned I was worried about in the last podcast. She sounds like she's holding her own. She's better, still hospitalized, but better. She's in New York City and being hospitalized is actually kind of a big deal. The hospitals there are so overwhelmed that if you look halfway decent and you are breathing on your own and oxygenating decently, chances are you'll be told to go home and wait it out there and return if you're getting worse. So the fact that she was hospitalized to begin with and remains hospitalized several days later means that she is really sick, but she's managed to keep herself off of a vent. And when I say keep herself off of a vent, I mean that she's not on a breathing machine. Um, So you will hear that people are in medically induced comas and put on a breathing machine. And and that's what we call uh, more formally a mechanical ventilator. Now, people have heard a lot about these vents in the news. Uh, Mostly you've heard about national shortages and projective shortages of vents. In New York City, it's pretty terrifying, actually. Single hospitals will have 500 to 600 patients on vents at one time. And just to give you an idea of the scale of that, in the entire state of Oregon, where I live, we have fewer than 800 vents. In New York City, that is how many people will be on vents or they're prepared to put on vents at a single hospital. So the numbers of really sick people there are staggering. The one thing I really want people to understand about vents and actually all these medical resources that we were running in short supply of really quickly is that a ventilator doesn't mean that much by itself. I mean, it's a resource that we have to have and getting it is expensive and time-consuming and complicated. And so the fact that ordinary Americans, that industries that don't normally make vents are stretching and agreeing to innovate and create vents is, is tremendous for healthcare workers. But my point is that a vent is kind of like a car. So you could say that you need a fleet of cars and they show up and you're really happy. Um, but what if that fleet of cars showed up and you realized nobody advocated for gasoline or for a driver? or a key, or a place to park those cars. They just kind of showed up with a pile of cars. That's not how you use them functionally. And you make the assumption that a car will come with or have available with it a whole bunch of stuff that will make that car functional and useful for you. It's kind of the same thing with vents. I mean, vents don't run themselves. We need people with specialized training. So first of all, do we have the workforce? Second of all, we need a whole bunch of medications in order to even put people on the ventilators. So if you can imagine somebody chasing after you and trying to put a rigid plastic tube down your throat, that doesn't go over well if you are, say, in respiratory distress, but still awake and um, aware of what's happening. And then that tube sits in your airway for a number of days and it's not comfortable. We are not built to have a rigid plastic tube sitting in our throat. It's actually quite painful. We usually put people on an infusion of medications. And in fact, already what we're seeing in um, in cities that are hit hard with COVID-19 is that these basic medications 
to sedate people and keep them uh, on the breathing machine or lacking. We do this continuous infusion through a pump um, that you program and adjust. Uh, apparently, we're running out of the pumps, too. You need a room, a bed. Anyway, I say all this because the medical supply needs are not these isolated one-offs and we can just airdrop them one by one and everything's fixed and awesome. Um, no matter how well-intentioned that is, um, it's, it's really an interwoven, complex system. And from this end, we worry that some of these really amazing initiatives and gifts uh, won't be used to their full potential because we're not really thinking of how the whole thing fits together. Dr. Zog, April 3rd, a little bit later in the day. I took my post-overnight nap and I'm just spending some time walking around my neighborhood so you can hear the traffic and dogs barking and a little bit of noise from construction. I love how optimistic the construction is. It's like a promise that in the near future we'll be thriving again and people will be doing normal things like buying homes again. I wanted to talk about something that was on my mind over my past several shifts, which is that there's all this collateral damage from our containment measures for COVID-19. And by that I'm thinking about what happens to people when they suddenly need to be at home 24-7, but that home was always the worst place that they could be. Just talking to emergency medicine colleagues around the country, there's been an uptick in child abuse and partner abuse in the visits that we're seeing. It makes total sense. I mean, not only are people having to go into their homes 24-7, but also this is a tremendously stressful period where there's a lot of economic uncertainty and stress in people's lives. And that is a recipe for increased violence. I can't really talk about any specifics of cases I've seen, but I will say that when I look back on this whole pandemic, I think the most memorable cases will not actually be COVID patients, but will be some of the little humans I saw who were really harmed because in their day-to-day lives, they're able to get by with an extended social network of aunts and uncles or grandparents. But in this pandemic, when everybody withdrew and social distancing kicked in place, those vital social networks just weren't there for for them anymore and horrible things happened. Even before COVID-19, there was something about my job that I understood, which is that no matter how horrible disease is, the very worst thing that we'll ever see in the ER is what one human inflicts on another. That is a universal truth, and it will never change. Dr. Zog, April 4th. A friend of mine who's a really smart clinical psychologist once told me that anytime I talk about a problem, I should end on a hopeful note. He said that's the best way to make people feel that they can actually change something. I've always kept that in mind, and... Although it's really hard with COVID-19, I'm going to make a concerted effort to end as often as I can on a note that's hopeful. So for this week, I had two positive things. One is that we went to the grocery store the other day, my husband and I, and it was in the afternoon and we walked away with a six pack of toilet paper. 
I don't know if the TP situation is for you like it is for us, but that was the most triumphant thing that we'd encountered in quite a while. The other thing is if you look at online projections, my favorite one is out of the University of Washington. My state, Oregon, is succeeding in flattening the curve. And by that, it means that the trajectory of our cases of COVID-19 is actually slowing. We had a doubling time really early on of every two to three days, which was terrifying. And then we really stepped it up with staying inside. And we're seeing that the trajectory is slowing. Our peak just in one week went from April 26th to an estimated peak at May 6th, um, which gives our hospitals more time to plan our emergency and disaster responses. It means that we're less likely to overflow our existing healthcare units and are able to spread out resources more things like the PPE that we've been talking about. It also means that we can do things like what happened today, which is that Oregon decided to donate a bunch of ventilators to New York. I mean, we may need them to return the favor later on down the line, but to be able to have the surplus that meant that we can help others is, is wonderful and to also not hoard our ventilators as if they were toilet paper um, was also, I think, really in the spirit of what needs to happen during this pandemic. All right, signing out from this doctor's log. I will talk to you again soon.